Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast. You can listen weekly on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasting. You can join us live weekly on YouTube at Reimagine People TV. You can learn more about us at reimaginepeople.com. Now let's listen to this week's message. This is message number three. We're in a new series. And our series is called Anchored. If you are new to this, the the new series that that we began at the beginning of the year, there are so many ways where you can dial in, you can get uh, caught up on the the past couple of weeks' messages. Just go to our YouTube channel, Reimagine People TV. Visit us online, reimaginepeople.com. Uh, we podcast uh, all of these episodes as well, too, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever is your jam, however you like to, to listen or, or watch, you can find us on all of those platforms. And uh, I, I want to ask you guys this as we're, we're beginning this third message today. How are you feeling about this so far, what we've been talking about? Talking about learning from our, our, our past and looking at the, uh, the, the present and leaning into the future. That's where we're going with this. So if, if you're feeling like it's valuable, good, because, I mean, that's, that's really, that's my hope, that, that's my intent. And uh, I, I had mentioned a couple times already, too, that I, I wasn't so sure uh, how far out God was going to carry this when I felt like he was kind of giving me the idea of the series. I'm like, well, I got the first message, and then last week I'm like, well, I got the second message. Uh, so this week, he, he's given me a lot more detail. So we're going to continue with, uh, in this all the way up until, I think, St. Patrick's Day. So um, just, just bear that in mind. I'm going to kind of ride this through with the Lord leading up to our first Reimagined Sunday. You'll get more information about that kind of stuff if you come to the other meeting after the annual meeting that I will keep straight to the point, y'all, okay? All right. My message today is a part one message. I'm going to deliver part two next week. Next week's going to be a lot shorter, uh, and you'll know why once we get to next week. This message is called Surprisingly Similar, Radically Different. Maybe you've heard those words or seen them somewhere in this church over the past year and a half, two years Today's uh, message and next week's messages, we're going to kind of morph between learning from the past and living in the present. And uh, it's been the objective in this series to talk about what we can learn from our past and our our rich history as as a local church and as, as God's people and how we can live in the present holy lives and be of great effect for Jesus on today's culture. And today's culture needs Jesus. Today's culture needs God. Probably more than ever before. Now, I've only lived 46 years, so that's all I've got to go on. But what I feel like I've learned from history, and I know there's been bad leading up to today, but when I look at today, I just think, this is really bad. This is really bad, but we've got a lot of opportunity to to minister to people. And uh, we're going to examine scripture. We're going to seek to know God's heart for the future. Amen? Together, we're going to endeavor to be at the the very center of his will as we light up the dark. That term's going to make more sense to you as we go week by week, month by month, into this first quarter of the year. Because I I feel like God has dropped this awesome burden and hunger on me that I want to lead you into. And I I feel like evangelism is going to be a real big thing for us this year. To light up the dark. To bring light into dark areas. Bring light into people's lives who are living with darkness in their lives, whether they, they, they know it or, or they don't. And we're going to do this both locally 
And since we're expanding and, and upgrading our live streaming equipment, now the world. The world. Doesn't that sound awesome? Isn't that awesome that just by the click of a few buttons, we can take our messages like many other ministries and we can put them out all over the world for people to hear the good news. Not just see and hear what God is, is doing here, but they can hear about the good news that Jesus saves, heals, he delivers, he sets the captive free. Amen? We've got a theme verse for this series in, in Hebrews 6.19, and it says this. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. When Jesus died on the cross, in the temple, there was a curtain that separated this one room that not everybody was invited into. You had to be the high priest. And you couldn't just go in whenever you wanted to. But what God was saying when Jesus died on the cross and that curtain, that room is called the Holy of Holies. That curtain was torn in two. Jesus dies on the cross, that curtain is torn in two and God is giving an invitation to people and he's saying, I now welcome everybody. This is not just for the high priests. This is for everyone. I'm calling you all and I welcome you all to come into my inner sanctuary, into my presence. What an invitation. What an invitation that God would say, come into my presence. Amazing. See, there's, there's something that is so important to me as we start off this new year with so much new happening all, all at once. New pastoral transition. I'm three weeks into this Two cataract surgeries already. I just asked Ruth, there's been a whole lot of new for me every single day. But I'm having the time of my life. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm having so much fun, even with the cataract surgeries. I mean, now that I can see three miles away, you know, it's like, this is pretty awesome. A lot of new. For all of us, this new year, I've said this to you before. New opportunities with this new year. What are you guys, what are y'all chuckling at? <laughs> now, when I say I've got my eye on you, what I really mean is I've got both my eyes. <laughs> Lenny, I'm watching you. This is a serious message. I spent a lot of time on this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm, listen, I, I, said, I said this to Lenny this morning. We're in the office, and I was like, when Pastor Robert left, he left this church to a bunch of children. <laughs> I, said, I said, we're like a bunch of orphans running the orphanage by ourselves. If you guys only knew how much fun we really have. But it should be like this church should be, it really should be a lot of fun. So anyways, new year, new opportunities. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to safely assume that for some, maybe you've had a shift in, in relationships with this new year, or maybe, maybe there's a shift in relationships coming, and maybe some of us in this room, maybe some watching online, might, might ask this question right now, as we're still at the beginning, how do I now do life? How do I do life? There's this really interesting thing about life. It just seems like life is always lifing. It's just always lifing. Life is always lifing. Life never just stops so you can catch your breath. Life never just goes, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Was that a little too much for you? Would you like me to slow down so you can catch up? It'd be nice if life did that, but life is always lifing. Life doesn't do that. Life never stops so we can catch our breath. It seems like what we've got to do is we've just got to embrace the demands. 
embrace the demands, the changes, the transitions, whether, guess what, <laughs> whether or not you feel like you're ready. If you're ready or not, life says, here I come. And sometimes I come like a cool breeze, and sometimes I come like a bulldozer. And we just got to be ready. So what's important to me as we begin this new year here at Reimagine Church and as a church family is that, is that we do these two things. We pause and we reflect. See, life may not pause because life is always lifing. Life may not pause. But you and I, we can pause. Life may at times present storms, turbulence, but that does not mean that you and I have to be capsized or shaken. Remember, what do we read in Hebrews? This hope that we have in Jesus is a trustworthy anchor for our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions. That's the makeup of your soul. And it's important to me, listen, it's important to me as a guy you've already known. It's just me, guys. You know me. I'm just Chris. I just happen to be your senior pastor now, too. But I'm still Chris. I still dress like I'm in high school. <laughs> I know somebody was thinking it. I don't have any plans on changing that. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but I do want to invite you on an adventure. You guys know I love the great outdoors. I want to invite you on an adventure to uncover all the beauty of who we are, what we are becoming. And now that I can see really far out, what God has for us ahead. Amen? Okay, how many times was that? 25 now that I've, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not keeping count. I've only got two points for you today. As I mentioned, this, this message is part one, so I got two points. And we're gonna approach these points like this. We're first gonna look at them through the lens of the past, and then we're gonna look at them through the lens of the present. But before we, we go too far into things, I wanna just touch briefly on this idea of surprisingly similar radically different. This is a catchphrase that, that Pastor Robert and I had actually come up with when, when he and I were kind of like putting the nuts and bolts together of what it looks like to reimagine the church. And, and this is what we believed then and we still believe this now. That when people come to church or when, when they experience church, they should experience the word of God taught and demonstrated in all of its fullness without alteration. Would you agree? People come to church, they should hear the word of God preached, taught, without alteration, demonstrated in power, all of its fullness. People should be invited to connect very deeply with Jesus, and they should also be invited to connect deeply with one another as family as family. To, to Robert and I, that was like the embodiment of what a healthy, surprisingly similar church experience looked like. And we also believed this, that the experience of, of church should give people an opportunity. An opportunity to experience something different than what may be typical. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be typical. That's why I'm 46 years old. I still dress like I'm in high school. I'm 46 years old, and I've, my wife and I have five children together and a granddaughter now. But I tell you what, I still vibe with them as if I'm their age. And I'm thankful that they invite me into their space and receive me as such. Because I'm... My driver's license might tell me I'm 46 years old. My birth certificate might tell me that. And my body definitely tells me that. It actually tries to make me feel like I'm much older than that. But the way I like to get down in life, 
even though life is always lifing, I just feel like the youth in me has just not, you know, it's not faded out yet. Praise God. I don't want to be typical. I want to be radically different. Radically different meaning this. We want to offer to, to people not what is supposed of church, but something of high value, something that gives people an opportunity to experience real and lasting transformation in their lives and in their families. That's why we did things like we piloted and, and we launched our transformation classes. You guys know these things, Rooted Identity Camp, Battle Zone, Many the Soul. Many of you have been through some of them or, or all of them. And, and I tell you, when, when Pastor Robert first uh, pitched the idea to the leadership that we should do this new thing called Rooted, and then all the leadership of the church had to get together, we formed two different groups, and we did Rooted before anybody else did Rooted. If you've not been in a Rooted group, I would encourage you, the next time we launch Rooted in its next season, please sign up to go through Rooted. It's a 10-week discipleship. I don't want to call it course because it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's a 10-week time that you'll spend with other believers where you just get to be people and come before God together. You're going to go over... There's, you know, there's curriculum, there's a format. You're going to go over the seven rhythms of Rooted, the important things that believers should be doing, praying, understanding, giving, serving, you know, all, all, all those things. But everybody gets an opportunity in, in the Rooted group to tell their story. And I want to tell you right now, leaders in churches, we are no different than anybody else. We all have stuff. And if you would have seen our group, there was a lot of snot and tears Right, Val? Val and I were, were in the same group together, and we just had an opportunity to be able to come before each other and not have to wear the leader hat, but to be able to come before one another and say, you know what? I'm not okay. And it's in that safe space, spending that time building camaraderie with people that you just get to unload and you get to experience healing. You get to experience transformation. You get to experience, I'm probably making this word up right now, I don't know, something untypical. Something untypical. These are groups, we run them throughout the year seasonally to help people connect with God and each other. This year we've added our Wednesday night Bible study and prayer, we've done two so far, and they're so much fun, right? Those who have come, it's so much fun. Bible trivia. Right now, we're spending some time opening up the book of Matthew, studying the book of Matthew, and spending time in prayer together. Such simple things, but so powerful. So powerful, connecting with each other, connecting with God. Next month in February is when I'm going to open up registrations for the next Rooted Group and Identity Camp. If you've been through Rooted, you can sign up for Identity Camp. If you've not been through Rooted, please, I would encourage you to sign up. It's going to change your life. It really will. I believe it. We're doing what we do now in the way that we do it to minister to people because, again, we don't want to be a church that just does what, what folks think we're supposed to do. That sounds boring to me. We don't want to do what is just simply supposed of us. We want to offer something that is specific because the path to real and lasting life transformation for, for people very much so at times needs specific direction. Let me, let me put it to you like this. Just because you have a key, okay? Where's my key? Oh, there it is. Just because you have a key or a key fob, just because you have one of these doesn't mean you're going to leave here today and go out and pick out whatever car you want and get in it and drive away. Some of you might be thinking, well, there's a couple cars I'd like to, you know, if we're trading today, we're not trading today. But just because you have a key doesn't mean you're going to go out there and pick any car you want and drive away. You need the specific key. You get what I'm saying? You need the specific key to the specific car. And transformation, I believe, can work a, a, a lot the same way. We, 
Just because we do this or just because we do that does not necessarily mean people are getting saved, healed, and set free. But if we offer something that says, you know what, we're going to do this 10-week or 8-week or 12-week thing, and this is what we're going to talk about. And then you get to come and you get to deal with that thing. Gives you an opportunity to open up, to learn, to be around other people who are also very much like you. And together, you get to walk this path of healing and experience transformation, real, lasting transformation. So for us here at Reimagine Church, I mean, this is what it means to us to be surprisingly similar and radically different. And if, if you're catching on at all, I, I like to go a little deeper. So we're going to go a smidge deeper. As we've made way into learning and unpacking over the past two years, year and a half or so, what it looks like to reimagine church. We've sought to reimagine three very specific things. And we've left these banners up for as long as we have for very specific reasons. Because I'm hoping by now at this point, a lot of this is committed at least to your photographic memory. So these very specific things about connection and conversation and commitment. Reimagining making a connection, reimagining having a conversation, reimagining a true commitment. These are actually the points I'm going to address with you, and we're going to break down this week and next. So let's get right into point number one. I want to talk with you about reimagining making a connection. Now, people all around the world, this goes without saying, right, because many of you got your devices out right now. People around the world are connected more now than ever because it's so easy, right? If you've got a smartphone, you can connect to the internet in some way, you're connected. Modern tech has made things super easy for people, but are the connections, and I'm not shaming the internet, I use the internet all the time, I need the internet to work. I think the internet has tons of value, smartphones have tons of value as long as they're used responsibly. But are the connections that we have and that we are making these days with the use of, of devices and such, are these connections always authentic and, and genuine? And, and does the past maybe have anything of value that we can glean from, that we can learn from, to help us truly reap all the reward that's possible and available when connecting with others? And, and, and I, I do believe so. I believe that there's... There's really one word that can sum things up for us when we're talking about, is there something from the past that can help perfect how we're doing things now? Because smartphones are great, right? Instagram, super fun, super valuable. I learn things all the time on Instagram Reels. Matter of fact, I mean, this might sound stupid to some of y'all, but I think that the more Reels I watch, the more relevant I become. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I, I believe that. Because so many young people are spending so much time doing the same thing, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or, or I guess Facebook's really for the old folks now. <laughs> Snapchat. I'm still very illiterate when it comes to Snapchat. But anyways, there are things that I'm watching, and I'm like, good thing I'm watching this because I would have never learned some of these terms. I would have never learned some of this stuff. So when you hear jokes amongst young people, if you've seen some of the stuff, then you get it now. And now you've got a way to what? Connect in an authentic and genuine way. But I do believe that there's this word that, and it's not an old school word, it's a very relevant word that can really help us, and it's the word hospitality. When we're talking about learning from the past and what can we bring into the present now to help us have authentic and genuine connections, hospitality. Uh, maybe this term might make more sense to, to some of us. Quality time. Quality time. I want to read a story to you from Genesis 18. This is just one small story in Abraham's life and in this story, he encounters three strangers. And, and what we're really just going to look at here is we're going to look at how he connects with these three strangers. So Genesis 18, starting at verse 1, it says this. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, 
One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. So there he was. He's just chilling, right? Just leaning against the tent, super hot. He looks out because he probably had double cataract surgery too, and he could see really far. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He looks out and he's like, he sees these three people coming, right? He looked up, he noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. We, we don't really do that kind of stuff, right? Usually we're like, people are walking on the street towards us, and we're like, you know, we, we're like, I'm not, oh, oh, you're not, no one's on the phone, but you're just like, you know, you're basically saying, don't bother me. Don't bother me. But that wasn't what Abraham did. Verse 3, here's how he addresses them. My Lord. Never met these guys, total strangers. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. I'm I'm almost kind of led to believe that Abraham might have been a southerner. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hungry? Let me fix you a plate. What y'all want to eat? He had some real down-home hospitality going on here. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. And they say this. They say, all right. Or maybe, all right. Do as you have said. Verse 6, so Abraham ran back to the tent, and he says to his wife, Sarah, he says, hurry, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it in a dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out into the herd, chose a tender calf, gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. We're going to talk on that for a minute, because I don't think there was anything quick about that. Verse 8, when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Here's what stood out to me when I was reviewing my notes at home this morning. I I read that verse, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If this played out the way that I'm thinking it played out, there's this baby cow just waiting to be veal, alive and you know what I'm saying? And he says, quickly prepared. And I'm thinking, no, he did not. At least seven hours. Minimum. We got to take this calf, right? We got to do all of the things to get this calf ready. Then it's got to be roasted. It's got to be prepared. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. Now, I know scripture says quickly, and we believe, you know, seven hours probably, or however long it took, probably was quick to them. But I'm thinking this. Abraham had some real quality time with these strangers while that calf was being prepared. While that meal is being prepared, they had some conversation. They had some connection they were making. Think about that for a moment. What kind of things could they possibly have talked about for so long while the meal was being prepared? And when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. They ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. And here's another thing I thought. I thought these guys probably had the best gyros they ever had in their lives. Now, some of y'all probably say gyro. It's not pronounced like that. It's a gyro. Okay? Think about it, though. The bread was probably flatbread. Then instead of lamb, they had veal. Yogurt. I'm thinking tzatziki, you know? Sounds like, Right? Sounds like a good time to me. Why would Abraham do such a thing? Engage with total strangers on such the level that he did. Listen to this. The writer of Hebrews, sometime way, way, way later. Okay? The writer of Hebrews. Keep that in mind, the fact that I'm saying it to you like that. Way later, the he- uh, writer of Hebrews said this. He says in Hebrews 13 too, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Get this, here's the clincher. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I want to tell you something about these three men that visited Abraham that day. These three men were actually messengers 
from God. Now, some, some believe this. All right, we, don't, we don't know this, but some do believe this. Some, some Christians believe that one of the three quite possibly could have been God the Father himself or Jesus the Son in the appearance of a man. We don't know that, but some, some believe that that is a possibility that one of the three could have. But to me, I just think, I mean, that, that thought is astounding, but the fact that three messengers from God show up and are hanging out with Abraham and having heroes and all that, that's, you know, mind-blowing. Now, I want to I put a crimp in this where we are right now. And I, I want to say this, okay? This, he, hear me when I say this. This is really important. When we do good to others, whether we could be entertaining angels or not entertaining angels, when we do good to other people, the motive, the command from Jesus to his people is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes, it would be cool and fun and whatnot if maybe someday we find out when we get to heaven we entertain so many angels in life through our hospitality. But the motive really should just simply be love. I would have to think for Abraham at this point, he wasn't really thinking about, you know what, these dudes might be angels. We better, you know, come with our A game. Listen to this. Mark 12, starting at verse 30, says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So many of us love to stop right there. I got to point this out, though. Verse 31 says, The second is equally important. That means the two are running together. They are inseparable. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other command is greater than these. These, the two running together. Love God, love people. Matter of fact, if you look further in scripture, you'll find that you cannot say that you love God and not love people. The Bible says that if you do that, it says you are in fact a liar. Love God, love people. Our motive for serving in others and for being hospitable is simply to demonstrate God's love. That's how we reimagine making a connection. We humbly and authentically show others the love of God because we're commanded to. We offer hospitality, we invite others into our space, and we give them quality time. There's so much more to this story right now, but I'm not going to get into it for Abraham. I really wanted to just focus on that, that one scene, but if you're not familiar with the rest of it, please go into Genesis 18, discover it for yourself, because there's so much, much more that even happened during that time when the three men were there with Abraham, but I, I, I wanted to just focus on that one thing, that hospitality that Abraham had, because he was reimagining, or at least demonstrating for us what reimagining a connection looks like. Let me ask you this. It's kind of a personal question. Who in this place has not yet eaten at your kitchen table? I'm not saying that to shame anybody. I'm just, I just want to awaken you this morning, give you a little bit of awareness. When you look around this room, who has not yet eaten at your kitchen table? Who has not yet graced your front porch or your back porch or sat at your campfire in the backyard? Who's not yet sat on your couch? Who's not yet watched a movie on your TV? Don't feel guilty, okay? Don't feel guilty, because I'm still working on the invites, too. I'm only three weeks into this as your senior pastor, but you might be like, yeah, but you've been here over 20 years already, Chris. I'm working on it, okay? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Kim and I do have plans, actually. This is very important to me to have all of you over at some point for a meal or to just go out somewhere just to hang, just as people. Not you and Pastor Chris, just us. Be looking for those invites. They're coming. But I want to encourage each of you as well, if you are able, reimagine making a connection. Get some people who you have not yet invited over to eat at your table or go on a trip. Just go to Destiny or something. It doesn't have to be big and elaborate. 
Just something that involves quality time between you and them. So it's you and them and Jesus and you're just hanging out. There is so much value, probably more value. There's more authentic and genuine discipleship that happens in that than you may realize. I've seen it. I've experienced it. How do you think it is that some folks, I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have the relationship with our kids that, that we have, and they've invited us into their lives in the way that they do, and I know it has so much to do with the quality time that we spend with each other. Hospitality, quality time, reimagining, making a connection. All right, here's our next point. I'm already over 35. It is what it is. So maybe to be another 39 day. Reimagining having a conversation. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. This is Matthew 9, starting at verse 9. Okay? It says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, or Levi, sitting in the tax collector's booth, because that's what he was, a tax collector, and he said to him, follow me. He says, be my disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher, walking the same path of life that I walk. And Matthew got up and followed him. And as Jesus was reclining at the table in Matthew's house, so there was Jesus, he's in Matthew's home, and probably the table is low to the ground, right? And there's pillows, and there's Jesus. Sup, y'all? What a scene. Jesus vibing in Matthew's house. Many tax collectors were there, and sinners, including non-observant Jews, came and ate with him and his disciples. But when the Pharisees saw this, Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is like, you a op. No, I'm just kidding. Only some of y'all are going to understand that. You need to watch more Instagram reels. When Jesus heard this, he said, those who are healthy have no need for a physician, but only those who are sick. Go and learn what this scripture means. I desire compassion for those in distress and not animal sacrifice, for I did not come to call to repentance the self-proclaimed righteous who, who see no need to change but sinners. Those who recognize their sin and actively seek forgiveness. What I want you to take note of most here in this text that we just read is not how Jesus was responding to and interacting with these people, but in fact, how these people were responding to and interacting with Jesus. I think a lot of times when we read that text, because we're, 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 it so vividly is giving us the imagery, you know, Jesus is with the sinners, the tax collector. But I think we need to look at it from the, the opposite side. These people are conversating with, they're connecting with Jesus. He's in Matthew's home. If you know nothing about what it was like to be a tax collector in that day, in Jesus' day, these people were highly despised by their brothers and sisters, by the Jews. A Jewish tax collector, your brothers and sisters, they just hated you. Why? Because, likely, you're working for the Roman government. You're aiding and abetting the enemy, basically. Jesus is hanging out with them. What was it about him? What was it about him that made these folks so comfortable to hang out with Jesus? What specifically was he saying, and how was he saying it that was gripping their attention? I want to flip the script for just a, just a moment. I, I want to ask this. What types of things are you and I saying? What types of things are, are we doing that make people, specifically non-believers, want to hang around with us? Are we cool enough for them? Some might say, well... 
doesn't matter. Non-believers, they need to hear the truth. They need God. And it's on that and only on that point that I would agree. Yes. The non-believing world needs to hear the truth and they need God. I agree wholeheartedly. However, there is a difference between giving truth that brings people into life and giving people truth that actually just turns them away. And it's not the truth itself always or necessarily that turns people away, but the difference is in the presentation. The difference is in the presentation. Our presentation should afford an opportunity for others to experience life. Our presentation should connect people directly to the love of God. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if they've never experienced it and they don't know how to fish for it through our bad presentation, they won't find it likely they'll be repelled. Does it really matter, some might think. <laughs> let, me, let me put it to you this way. Um, yeah, it's life or death for them. It's heaven or hell for them. And who's the deciding factor? You and me. Who's the bridge? You or me. Or who's the wall that stops them from getting to Jesus? Also, you or me. Unfortunately, what we see sometimes is that our presentation of the good news, because we don't deliver it in love, damages. It damages what people believe about God and also their perception of Christians and Christianity in general. I think, honestly, I'm, I'm just... Speaking from my heart to you right now, I think we literally have the worst time on our hands right now to deliver a, a new pitch to people because the culture today is so put off because of bad presentation. Christians just out there whiling. Watch those Instagram reels and you'll understand what I'm saying. No, but I'm just being serious with you guys. Christians act in wild, and it's not life-giving. And then now, those of us are like, we're not the bad guys. Hold on. We understand there's a couple bad apples in the bunch sometimes. And sometimes we're those bad apples, you know. We could be to blame sometimes. <sighs> Instead of leading... Let me, let me back up a little bit. Regrettably, regrettably, this doesn't just happen with conversations and connections with non-believers, but did you know this, this happens amongst us, too? Happens amongst us, too. Instead of leading each other into life at times, we're actually leading each other elsewhere by the things we say and do. I want to share with you one more story from Scripture. This is Galatians 2, and... Um, I think Paul, the apostle, was, was definitely saying to the apostle Peter in this scenario, you sus. They get it. Check out what he says here. In this scenario, what we find is Peter is now, you know, Peter, he had kind of a reputation. <laughs> Poor Peter, right? And you know, I bet you he's in heaven and he's like, Y'all put all that in the Bible? What about forgiveness, man? Y'all did me dirty. Paul, you wrote that to them? Thought you was my brother. Paul really threw him under the bus here, Galatians 2. And starting at verse 11, it says... But when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul speaking, he says, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, 
James brings his friends, and these people are, you know, holier-than-thou kind of guys. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. You see, everyone around us is picking up on every little thing we do and say. Therefore, we're either leading people towards Christ or we're just leading them away from him. What matters most here is the same principle as in point number one, love. Love must always be our leading and guiding factor in all things. Genuine love, the exercising of the love of God will cause you to see and treat others the way God sees them. Remember, even the non-believer is made in the image of God. Let, just, you, marinate on that for a minute. You weren't born into Christianity, were you? Even the non-believer, get this, is made in the image of God and was formed by God in the womb of their mother. We were all non-believers at one point. How do we do this then, love like this? This is how we do it. Because you can't do it on your own. We lean in to the Holy Spirit. We lean in to the Holy Spirit and we allow him to produce love in us that we can then give away to others. It has to be produced in us through relationship with the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit. We yield. That person cuts you off, and instead of, you know, the flesh wants to, the hand gestures and all that, and the, you know, but instead, you get that quick check, and the Holy Spirit's like, pause, reflect, hold up. And you're like, okay, hold on, hold on. You're right, you're right, you're right. You know what, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe it has nothing to do with me at all. And then you get re-centered. God bless little sweetie. This is reimagining having a conversation. So we're going to close. I have this final remark. I did not, it's 46 minutes. I hope you guys still love me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's three weeks. Three weeks. Like, lower your expectations, okay? <laughs> just, if they were here, just like, get rid of them. Just don't, don't have any. Receiving people the way Jesus did speaking into others' lives, leading them to the Lord, being that sweet aroma, drawing people near to Jesus. Listen, listen, I've faltered in this too. So if you feel that way, yeah, join the club. Let's do this, though. Let's take this new year with these new opportunities we're talking about to do better, Lean into the Holy Spirit. Lean into the Holy Spirit and choose to love others the way God loves them. Then the love of the Father will flow through us as we are yielded. And then together, we're going to do this. We're going to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let's get out there. Maybe not today. It's cold. Tomorrow. Let's light up the dark. Let's light up the dark, reimagining connections and conversations. Let me have you stand up with me. As, as a reminder, for those of you who I, I reached out to this prior week, as soon as we're done this morning, please meet me in the office. It's not going to be 48 minutes, you know? I will be brief, I promise. I want to just connect with you, those of you who are going to be becoming new members. So just meet me in the office when we're done. I want to invite our altar team to, to come up and, and be ready to minister to you when we're done this morning. And as they're coming up and they're making themselves available, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you'd like to just connect with someone one-on-one, -on -one, 
That's what these folks are, are here for. I know I say this every week, but I just want to keep giving you this reminder. You never know what God is going to drop on them in the moment when they're praying for you and ministering over you that may speak directly into your situation, whether you tell them or give them any information or not about what it is that you want prayer for. But you're only going to know if you want prayer and you come up and you allow them to pray for you. All right, that's my pitch. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning that even though we're not as good at some things as we know we should be and we desire to be, we know that you offer us grace and mercy and forgiveness, but we also know that there are opportunities over and over again for us to retake the tests, to become what it is that we need to become for others. It's not about the call itself. It's about the purpose that you desire to accomplish by working through us. So we just come this morning right now with open palms, open hands, and we say, Lord, here we are. We make ourselves available. Do what it is that you want to do in us and through us. We do not want to be a stumbling block for anyone. We want to be that sweet aroma that draws people in. We want to have the words. Give us the words, Holy Spirit. Give us the boldness. Make us shine so bright. May we be so salty that, Lord, you can use us in any way that you desire to bring people into relationship with you. And Lord, if, if we have in any way or at any point in our lives caused people to not want anything to do with you, if we're at fault, we ask you to forgive us and we ask, Lord, that you would take those situations, those relationships, and, and we ask you to redeem them. Even give us an opportunity, Lord, to reconcile and through humility to make things right. As hard as that may be, Lord, we submit to that because we know it's so important. You've told us, Lord, that if we come and we bring our gift to the altar and there we remember that our brother has something against us, that we are to leave our gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to our brother and then come and present our gift. You don't just tell us these things because they're just good ideas. These are the things that matter to you. This is your heart, that we would love like this. And that's the kind of love we want to have. That's the kind of love that we want to exhibit. So we ask you to fill us afresh today. May the love of God always be seen in us and demonstrated through us in all things. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening today. We would like you to answer a simple question for us. How would you respond to the message you just heard? You can send your comments, questions, and prayer requests to help at reimaginepeople.com. We would love to hear from you.